You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Bark and Swagger on Pet Life Radio. I'm Jody Miller Young. For anyone who's ever lost a pet, you know how devastating it can be. I mean, you put out flyers, you call your local shelters, you do everything you can think of to help bring your baby home safely. I couldn't think of anything worse, truly. But what if you had the services of a real pet detective to spearhead that search? Someone who is trained and certified in the skills needed to bring home lost animals. We'll meet that person. Hear her story and get potentially life-saving tips on how to protect our pets right after this short break from our sponsor. This is going to be fun and it's going to be really informative. So grab your favorite beverage, get comfortable, and we'll be right back. We'll be right back after a short pause. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com Welcome back. You're listening to Bark and Swagger on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Jody Miller-Young. She's known as P.I. Jamie Katz, and she's one of the very few licensed and certified pet detectives in the country, perhaps the world. She's been instrumental in the safe return of close to 80 pets. She's here to tell us her story and how to better protect our precious babies. Hey, Jamie. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How you doing? I'm doing great. Good. You know, I'm really excited to have you on the show because... First of all, when someone says pet detective, I immediately think of Ace Ventura, which is comical and larger than life and kind of like cool or the Dick Tracy character, you know, but it's very serious business. And as I said, there's nothing worse than losing a pet. So I'm interested in knowing what being a pet detective is like and how we can all protect our pets better. But let's start with what exactly a pet detective does? What's a day in the life like for you? Um, my day starts off with waking up and taking care of the four dogs that I have, and I start work after that, feeding everybody and walking them. Right, which is really important. So when you start work, what's it like? Let's say a new case has come in. Okay. What do you do? Um, so the first thing that I do is I, I profile the case, which is the who, what, when, where, and why, figuring out what is going on with the case, what has happened so far, and taking those facts and putting together a, you know, a solid profile of what is next and what's going to help these, uh, the, these, the pet owners get their animals back. Got it. Very important. Okay. So you do your profiling, and then what happens? So 
once, yeah, once I have the profile done and I, I let the owner know, the pet owner know how the best way to move forward is, um, usually it's the awareness campaign that I start, which is, you know, finding out if you have that happy, friendly dog or you have the shy dog that isn't going to let anybody approach them. Once I figure out which way to go, I'm going to make them a sign. That's how I start every case. Because I noticed, I mean, that's how I first met you. I saw one of your signs in my neighborhood. You don't live far from me. And this particular sign, it was for a 13-year-old Yorkie, which broke my heart right away anyway. But it said, do not approach, do not chase. And I've seen that a couple of times. Talk to us about that. Sure. So if you have a dog that we know right off the bat is not going to let somebody approach them, then you don't want to give anybody the, you know, you don't want to send somebody to chase that dog. So when you do, when you have a dog that is roaming, like a roaming dog, not going to let you approach them, you don't want to put the actual reward amount on the sign. When you do that, you, you let these people imagine what they could buy with that money. If they imagine that, they're going to chase your pet. We already know that Silky, that's, that was the dog's name, her name was Silky. We already knew that Silky wasn't going to be able to just, you know, walk up and grab her. So we don't want anybody chasing her into the middle of the street or further away from the area she's missing in. Exactly. Makes sense. Makes sense. But that's interesting. I never thought about that, leaving the reward off, because usually you think, oh, it's an incentive for somebody to work that much harder, but it's also for the people that are just totally driven by money to do things that may not be in the best interest of the animal. So Right. Yeah, very, very interesting. Like I said, you live in Florida. Now, here, you're the only private investigation agency that specializes full-time in doing what you do, reuniting lost, missing, and stolen pets with their families. And you work with specific scent-tracking dogs, which I thought was really cool. You see that all the time in terms of service dogs where they're, you know, search and rescue and things like that. And it kind of sounds like it's a similar premise. Tell us all about where do you get these dogs? How do you train them? How does that work? Sure. Well, I can tell you the difference right away with search and rescue dogs and my tracking dogs. The difference is they don't just get hits here and there. My dogs actually follow scent trails. They are air scent dogs, which means they're not foot-by-foot trackers. They follow the scent in the air. So they're going to go the quickest way to where they're sent, and they do most recent. So if your dog ran out of the house or cat runs out the house and goes north, east, south, and then ends up going back north, my dogs are going to go north because that's most recent. Oh, my God, that is so interesting. But search and rescue dogs are more foot trackers. I'm not going to answer yes or no on that because I'm not sure. I'm sure there's different types, but Mm -hmm. they they get hits here and they get a hit here. They don't uh, necessarily follow actual scent trails from what I've, you know, seen or been told. Okay. All right. And you've also been asked to travel around the country to find lost pets. So you might be based here, but where's the farthest you've gone to, uh, to help a family? We've gone to Pennsylvania. We've been to New York. We've been to Alabama, Tennessee, Georgia. We've, we traveled 32,000 miles in 2015. How did people find you? Right now, it's like word of mouth. People just tag me on Facebook, on Craigslist, I'll put ads, and people say, oh, this girl can help you, and they tag me, and they contact me. Yeah, I mean, I guess, too, you have a very active Facebook, which I've noticed, and we'll give people that information before we go, but I guess because 
this happens so often. I mean, I'm shocked. Having moved from New York City where I know there are, are so many stray animals, I just never saw them in my area. Coming to Fort Lauderdale and literally there was a span of a month where three or four times in that month, people would be driving by, stop and ask me if I've seen a dog. Their dog got out. They don't know where it is. And it's heartbreaking. And, you know, most of the time with these particular people, because I I would always take their information and follow up with them, their dogs were returned, whether they were picked up and ended up having a microchip or something. But it happens so often people lose their pets. So with having such a, a an active Facebook account and being one of the few that do it in the country, people must really, you know, track you down. They do. They definitely do. Well, I know you were a human PI before a pet detective. What is training to be a pet PI like? What do you have to learn? So I used all the, the same tools that I had when uh, I would search for people with animals because it really comes down to, in order to find an animal, people have to tell you, you know, because the animals can't call us. The people are calling us. So I, I use the same, the same method of finding a person that I would an animal. And my awareness campaign, which is my sign campaign, I do the same thing with that. I make it impossible for people to not call with information. If you make it impossible for people to not know your animal is missing, then you're going to make it impossible for them not to give you the information. So the way that my signs are placed, it's going to be based off of making it impossible to come into a five-mile radius of where that animal went missing and not have to see a sign. Got it. Now, you get your clients very involved in the process of getting their own pets back, too. Tell us what you have them do and, yeah, and how you train them. And in addition to the signs... What are the other pieces that have come into play to help find lost pets? Sure. Um, well, my clients, they run their own campaigns. They have me to call, you know, 24-7. As long as I can answer, I'll answer. If I can't, I call them right back or I text them back. But they run their own campaigns, and I set the campaign up for them. So I individualize each case. I probably spend three hours for each case that I take on, and I individualize where every single sign needs to go. And I send them a list, I send them images, and then once they have all their signs up, then they have me to call when that first phone call comes in. Then we can go to step two. We don't know what step two is until that first phone call comes in, though. Right. And then you also post on your social, and I guess you advise them on how to get it out there via social as well. Is yeah. And language apparently me- is meaningful because what you just told me with the reward issue. So mm-hmm. you basically tell them what language to use and everything? Exactly. I, I set the whole the whole case up for them, and all they have to do is follow my instructions step by step, and then I'll, I'm there for them the whole time. Um, we work together over the phone. If they if they do want tracking dogs to come out, I don't just start with tracking dogs. I do believe that the dogs are amazing, they're awesome, and they help move cases forward. But I always believe that the sign campaign is the most important part because that's how we get our information. So once the signs are up, if no phone calls come in at all, which, you know, usually phone calls come in no matter what, even if they're not phone calls for their dog saying that they saw their animal, the phone calls come in, which gives us the the know-how that we have the awareness Mm, for the campaign. Gotcha. Um, So now you started very early on um, wanting to help animals. 
Um, as, a, as a young person, you joined a rescue group in Baltimore where you were brought up. And um, you would literally roam dark alleys and back streets from midnight till dawn, feeding and providing medical attention to the strays and feral cats. Um, that is crazy and, and could have been so dangerous. Um, you told me that the police department even recognized you as their go-to person to get these animals captured and to facilitate their care. What was this like and what was the most harrowing experience you ever had working the streets? Okay, well, I'm going to back up just one sec. So I grew up actually in uh, Sharon, Massachusetts for the first 15 years of my life. And then okay. I moved to Baltimore. When I grew up in Massachusetts, I never saw animals on the street. We didn't have stray animals in the town that I grew up in. So the word stray wasn't in my vocabulary. I didn't know that existed. Mm-hmm. Once I moved to Baltimore, kind of like the story that, that you were telling me, Jody, you know, where you were in New York and you didn't have lost animals like that, you know, until you came to Florida. Well, well yeah, same not story with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't see, I didn't see stray animals, lost animals until I moved to Baltimore. And then once I came to Baltimore, it was, it was insane. And I just started taking them all in and helping them. And I joined a lot of organizations in Baltimore. One of them, I did travel through the alleys. I had my own route that I would drive every night, well, six nights a week. And I had my every stops where I would feed and I knew all the animals that were there, all the cats. And uh, I knew who was sick, who was injured, who had kittens, who was nursing. And I based off of that what my work was for that night. And yes, when the police, you know, ran into an animal that was hit by a car or an animal that needed medical attention, they would call me and I would come out at two in the morning to get the animal off out of the middle of the road or take it to the animal hospital or whatever they needed. They always helped me, so I always helped them. Amazing. Amazing. And the animals really had a friend in you. So you, there's a particular night, right, that you're out working and... Mm -hmm. You come upon this dog in a backyard. What happens? So there was a dog in this backyard. It hits paw was humongous. I made a call into animal control just to have a welfare check for somebody to go out and make sure that dog was okay the following day. And um, the next night I came back out for my regular route to feed and trap, and I wasn't even thinking about that dog from the night before, and I pulled into the alley, and there was this little kitten that needed medical attention. It had his eyeball was pretty much either coming out or missing. And all of a sudden I was bombarded by these people who owned the dog across the alley and they just had video cameras and they just came running up to my car. This is the girl who took whatever the dog's name was and just screaming at me saying I took their dog. I left right away. I backed out of the alley. I went and I called one of my police friends who helped me all the time. And uh, he came out, he parked his car there and, um, you know, told the people, you know, you need to go back in the house, stay away. And I got the, I trapped the kitten and we left, and it turned out that the animal control did come out to that house the following day, and they gave them the, you know, the opportunity to take the animal to the vet or to turn over the dog, and they couldn't provide the medical attention the dog needed, so they did turn the dog over to animal control. So you had these angry dog owners who were coming after you, and um, that must have been really, really scary. It was really, really scary. <laughs> it was. Wow, wow. But the bottom line is the dog, you know, got the medical attention it needed and so did the kitty. So you you did your job. You did your job. Well, we're going to take a break, but I want to talk with you about some real life rescues, some real life pet detective work and, you know, a case, a recent case 
Uh, that is a happy ending. So, everybody, we're going to take a break from our sponsor. Go refresh that beverage. Get comfortable. We'll be right back. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back. Right after we kibble a little with our sponsors. Everything we tried failed except the Dynavite. The standard run-of-the-mill tests and treatments. Cortisone. Antihistamine. Multiple creams. Antibiotics. Spray. Multiple prescriptions. Steroid injections. Spray. Sharp antibiotics. Steroid cream. No results. It was neglect. The other owners didn't care enough about him to take care of him and to give him the nutrition he needed. A nutritional supplement like Dynavite. To be the healthy, happy dog he is today. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. If you want the dog to be healthy, you got to feed it something healthy. Put some nutrition in your dog. The vet that I trust recommended Dynavite. The dog I have today, because of Dynavite, has a sparkle in his eye, a lush coat, healthy skin. When you rescue a dog... You've got to feed them right for life. Dynavite will make your dog a happy dog. Dynavite is nutrition. Dynavite for life. 859-428-1000. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Hi, I'm Dana Humphrey, the founder of Whitegate PR. We have been specializing in PR and marketing in the pet industry for over 10 years. If you have a pet product or service you would like to promote, give us a call. We can help create awareness for your brand on TV, radio, magazines, newspapers, and blogs. Feel free to reach me directly at 619-414-9307 or learn more on our website at whitegatepr.com or follow us on Facebook. Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. Welcome back. You're listening to Bark and Swagger on Pet Life Radio. I'm Jody Miller Young, your host. We're here with Jamie Katz, pet detective, who is going to tell us a story. Jamie, we want to know like one of your recent happy ending stories. Tell us about one. All right. Well, the recent case that I had was a woman who went on a blind date with a man that she met off Instagram. She went, she met him at a local restaurant in um, Fort Lauderdale area. And um, the last time her dog was seen was actually on video at 2.30 in the morning with her holding her dog. And the, the blind date was next to her kind of helping her walk out because she couldn't really stand up anymore. So that was the last time that dog was seen was on camera at 2.30 in the morning. After that, this woman, uh, she didn't remember anything. She had no idea where she went, what happened to her, and she woke up the next morning at 7 a.m. in the middle of Fort Lauderdale on the side of of a road. Oh, my God. This is going to be one of the tips, everyone. Don't get blindingly drunk when you're with your pet and you're out of your house. Right? I mean, that is crazy. It is crazy, but the craziest part about it is that she only had two drinks in a shot. So uh, we're, yeah, we're not a hundred percent. Maybe a date rape drug. Well, we're actually, we're still waiting for the toxicology reports to come back on that. She actually, she in fact was raped that night. And uh, oh I can goodness. say that because I know that for a fact, because I did uh, meet with the, the gentleman and he did admit to me that he did sleep with her. And when she had actually asked him if they were intimate together, he said no to her. But he did admit to me 
that they did. Ooh, he ooh. did have sex with her. Ooh, ooh, okay. All right. Well, tell us about the dog. Tell us about the so, happy ending. And also tell us about how important that dog was to her. Well, this was her service dog. So uh, she had this dog for nine years. Her name is Roxy. And this dog is the most important thing to her in her life. And it, it keeps her sane. And um, what had happened was we had to relive this case to find out where we actually had scent of her dog because she didn't know where she was. And when she woke up, she didn't know where she was as well. Mm. So what we did is we started off with my tracking dogs at the point of escape, which would have been the restaurant that she was last seen at with her dog. And we had, we had to check the scent article, make sure that it was correct. We did get the direction of travel, which is the, the way that they would have driven out of there. And then we went to the next stop, which would have been where she was told that she was dropped off at, um, at, it was about 3, 3.30 in the morning, okay? We did have scent where she was told that she was dropped off at of her dog, very short scent trail. And then from there, we went to where she thought she had woken up. We had no scent of her dog where she thought that she had woken up, which was a mile away on the other side of 95. It turns out that she never was over there, but she was, in fact, on the other side of 95. And we were, we were putting signs up to, you know, in the area we had sent from where the dogs told us. Mm-hmm. And as we were putting signs up, this woman drives up and she says, I have your dog. I found your dog. And um, it was happiness from there. We followed this woman to her house and it turned out that where she was, in fact, dropped off that night, that uh, her dog was right up the street at somebody's house. So somebody had found her dog running up the street, you know, around 4 or 5 a.m. Okay. So now did you use your tracking dogs for this or? Oh, definitely. You there, did. That's how I knew where we had scent. Right. And it turned out that the dog was just a short ways away from where your dog knew exactly. that that dog should be. Very yep. interesting. Tell us a little bit about your tracking dogs because I know that they are part of your family too. Oh, I love these guys. They're, they're everything to me. Uh, Fletcher is my lead dog. Fletcher is a little 20-pound terrier mix. He's my heart. I also have uh-huh. Gable. They're, they're both two and a half years old, and Gable is a Brittany Spaniel. He's a wild man. I call him my goofy Gable. <laughs> and um, they're both amazing dogs. They're awesome. They confirm each other, and we all stay together. We live together. We train together once a week, and we all work together. That is fantastic. So when you take them out to work, you say they confirm each other. So it really, it's real. I mean, they, when Fletcher oh, yeah. catches an air scent, Gable is right on it. Or when Gable catches an air scent, Fletcher is right on it. And they corroborate. Yeah? Well, not at the same time. So when I say confirm, what that means is that when I start my dogs, when I give my dog a 100% scent article of the animal that's missing, and they follow a scent trail, then I'm going to go back and I'm going to take Gable, I'm going to start him off at the same place, and I'm going to make sure that we have the same information from both dogs because that's why you want, you want to make sure you confirm with each other that they both do, you know, very similar to what the other one does so you know that you're on the right track. I also, I use a negative scent to make sure that my dogs are working properly. So what that means is I give them a scent of an animal that has never been in that area. So when I give my dogs that scent, they're going to come right back to me because they're not going to they're not going to go on a scent if it's not that animal that we're looking for. Wow, so, that's really interesting. Yeah, so that's how we check sightings too. 
So if somebody said, I saw your dog at 5th and 6th Street, we're going to go to 5th and 6th Street. I give my dog the scent article of, of your dog, and then if they start tracking, that's a confirmed sighting. If my dog comes back to me, he's telling me no scent. That means that was a different dog at that sighting. Now we can move forward and go back to focus on what we need to focus on. Very cool. And you have a pretty impressive track record. I said that you've solved close to 80 cases, but tell us, you know, what that really means in terms of the national average. You have like six times the national average or something. Tell us. Sure. So I've closed 76 out of 122 cases. Since September, when I opened my agency called P.I. Jamie Katz, I do have a success rate of 62%, which is six times the national average, which is only 16%. So So only 16% of lost dogs and cats are returned nationally. Correct. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's very sad. Very sad. But hey, there's a need for you, Jame. There is a need for you. Yeah. Now... I want to give people some of your best tips on how to protect our loved ones because I'm sure you work with some very, very distraught people. What are your top tips to avoid and to do to protect our babies from getting lost? Sure. So number one, always, always have a collar with an ID tag on your animal at all times. The most common phrase I hear over when I profile cases, when I ask, did your dog have a collar on or your cat have a collar on when he went missing? And they say, I just gave my dog a bath. Well, if you're going to give your dog a bath, then have another collar with the same ID tag on it, same information, same phone number, so that you don't have to tell me that. You don't have to say, oh, but I just, I did, I just gave my dog a bath. So, that so you way, don't have to take it off during bath time. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So don't take it off. Just put the, the clean one on. The next tip is going to be, you know, if you have, you have a backyard that you put your animal in, and that use the, they use the bathroom, make sure you don't have a way for them to get out of it. There's a hole. Don't just do a, you know, a fix. Do a permanent repair. Repair the fence. Don't let it rain again and the rocks or dirt move because that's what happens. It rains again. The fix that you had done, well, you know, the rain just washed it away. So right. make sure that you repair your, make sure there's no way to get out. Great. Another is uh, the microchips. Microchips are so important to have. Oh, yeah. For, for many reasons. Even if you have a dog that nobody can catch you know, that it's a roaming dog, you know, God forbid something does happen and that dog gets hit by a car or it's found deceased, they'll still be able to find, you know, to let you know that, you know, by scanning them for a microchip, you'll still Absolutely. be able to have that closure because that's yep. so important so that you don't search for the rest of your life and wonder what, what happened. Mm-hmm. You know, also with thunderstorms, fireworks, if you know your dog's afraid of thunderstorms, loud noises, you know, don't put them outside when it's raining out or thundering out. You know, have them secured in a room inside your house. They say that July 5th are the busiest days for shelters because dogs freak out and run away during these fireworks. And we've had our own experience with fireworks with our dogs. They hate them. I don't know any dog that likes them. So keep your dogs inside. You know, do your dog a favor. Keep your yeah, dog don't inside. take them with you. You like fireworks. They don't. Exactly. Anything else, Jamie? I think that's, that's about it. Those are the main ones. Okay, great. You know, and there are some wonderful and very, very stylish ID tags out there these days, and they do all sorts of things. Like, I love Pet Hub. Pet Hub has a 24-hour found pet hotline. They have GPS. They have 
uh, DNA service. They have all these things associated with with their pet tags that you can get. And uh, there are so many companies. There's like no excuse these days. Jamie, thank you so much. Where can people find you to learn more? And hopefully they won't have to hire you. But if they do, where can they find you? They can call me at 844-411-KATZ, my last name, which is also 844-411-5289. They can find me at Facebook for P.I. Jamie Katz, Lost and Found Pets. And, and Jamie also- Katz is, is J-A-M-I-E-K-A-T-Z, yeah? Correct, yes. Great. And then I also have my webpage, which is P-I-JamieKatz.com. Perfect. Thank you so much. This has been really helpful. It's interesting learning what a pet detective does, and it's always good to learn what the best tips are from an expert. So thank you, Jamie. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Thank you all for listening. Thanks to our producer, Mark Winter. Mark, you make us sound great. You rock. My passion is living stylishly and animal rescue. So tune in next time to discover the designers, home decor, styles, and rescue stories I love. And don't forget to visit me on BarkAndSwagger.com where you'll find great fashion, shelter stories, and more. So until next time, when fierce fashion calls, Bark and Swagger. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.